episode, we will be discussing Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo, a YA fantasy and the first book in a duology. Hey, all you bookworms. This is the Page Turners podcast. I'm Jenna. And I'm January. In this podcast, we will delve into all genres, from psychological thrillers to the steamiest of romances, from the top of the bestseller list to unknowns and those making the buzz list, including traditional and indie published authors. With Page Turners, no page will be left unturned. Hey, all you podcasters. We are so glad to be back to talk about Six of Crows. This book. Oh my gosh, this book. This is what a YA fantasy should be. I agree. It has everything. It has adventure. It has an insane world building that is just so complex and so detailed. It has a daring heist that puts you at the edge of your seat. It has a little bit of romance sprinkled here and there. That's what I was going to say. It's got romance, betrayal. And even some comedy, some lines that make you laugh. It was everything for me. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I'm going to assume you rated this a five-star read. Five stars. This book is epic. It is immersive. Mm -hmm. It's one that was on my radar. I mean, I read YA fantasy. I'd heard of Leigh Bardugo. Now, she is also the author of the Shadow and Bone series. Yes. And this particular book is part of a duology that is in that world, the, uh-huh. the Grishaverse. Uh-huh. So I have not read the Shadow of Bone, those books. I have not. It's on my two read list, but I have not read it. But I can say I jumped into this one and had no problem oh, no. having not read that universe. No. She does a really good job of explaining everything so you don't even really have to read the other one. I'm sure it would help things along if you did, but it's definitely not something that you have to wait to pick up. And what I've heard most reviews I've read or or most things I've heard people talk about this particular book, Six of Crows, is that they liked this better than the Shadow and Bone series. I've heard that too. I have not read one bad review about this. One or heard, read, anything. I've not heard anything bad about this series. That's unusual. And to not read one that was less than a four star. Yeah. I think I originally gave it a four star, but then I'm not going to lie when I, because we've read this a while back, I was going through and brushing up on everything to make sure that I had every, all the plot lines and everything straight in my head. And the more I got a refresh of it, the more I thought about it, I was like, man, I think I, I would change this now that I sat with it a while. I would change it to a five-star read as well. Now, this book takes place, like I said, in, in the Grisha universe, with which Grisha is witches. Is that right? The Grisha or the Grisha? The Grisha is supernaturals that can manipulate body functions and appearances. Okay. All right. It takes place in the city of Ketter, Ketterdam. Yep. Ketterdam. Ketterdam, which is an alternate Netherlands, Holland area. Whereas I think Shadow and Bone, they said that's an alternate Russia. So I did learn that mm-hmm. they, they, they are similar to real places, but they're not mm-hmm. actual places since it's a fantasy. Ketterdam is also the like trading post. That's like the main place. 
like the centerfold of this universe, this community, that that's like the main place. And her descriptions of this, I mean, I can see this whole environment that she creates. Right. I can how did, see it. How did, you, how did you picture it? It's dark. It's dirty. Mm-hmm. It's slums. Uh, like an old, old school, way back London, maybe. Mm-hmm. Not inviting, not friendly. People who are down on their luck making it by any way they can. I pictured it and I can't think of the word for it. Imagine that me not being able to think of the word, but you know, like the iron kind of days where it was like the, I can't think of the word, but yeah, really run down. Industrial? There you go. Industrial age. That's kind of what I I pictured it. Like run down, gross, Mm -hmm. dirty, like industrial type, nasty city. That's what I pictured. Yeah. I think we're pretty on the same track with it. What makes this book, though, I mean, everything is great about it, but what makes this book are the characters. Agree. So you have six kind of main characters that form this ragtag team that are tasked with breaking into this prison. Mm -hmm. And almost impenetrable. Yes. Yes. To break into this prison to smuggle out one of the prisoners and then have to break into the ice court, uh-huh. which is impenetrable, they said. Uh-huh. We're, we're saying you can't, they're already saying you can't do this. And they're having, you know, thoughts. Are we going to even survive? Yes. The main character is Kaz. Kaz Brecker. He is the leader of the dregs. The dregs is the gang of all of them together. The the gang that these six make up. He is their leader. Kaz is really good at lockpicking and he's just a good leader. But he's all, he is ruthless. Yes. And he's a thief. He's an anti-hero. He really is. Shout out to Millie. Millie, one of my good friends, and she used to work for me at the bookstore. She's the one that actually told me to read this, and that's why this book was on my radar because of her. But she absolutely loved loves Kaz Brecker, and I am not a fan. Like he, I liked him in the book, but not as like a love interest. Oh like, no, you know what I mean? Like I didn't no. care for him like that. But something about Kaz and all of these characters is that they have backstories and. Lee Bardugo gives you those backstories. Yeah, she doesn't skimp out. No, you, no. you get all of why these characters are the way they are. Yeah. And some, most of the backstories are just heart-wrenching. Kaz especially. His was horrible. It also leads into why all of these characters, I think, kind of have their own personal agenda and why they want to take on this this heist this mission yeah and they have they have a reason they have their own vendetta yes next one i can think of is inej i pronounced it inej 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 is a badass ninja she really is she's a spy she's really really quiet they call her the wraith my first impression of her i didn't like her i didn't start liking her until probably mid book and then she became like one of my favorite characters there was a scene i think towards the end when they're actually in the prison where she has to climb up this furnace. Yes. And I was like, literally, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? I couldn't turn the page quick enough to find out what was going to happen. Lee Brigardi, she, ex- or Brigardo? Bardugo. Bardugo. I'm sorry. The way she explained that scene was insane. Like she described the soles of her shoes melting. And, and I, I was just it. like. I could feel the heat. It was insane. Cause like at that point she was one of my favorite characters. So I was like. 
almost crying for her, rooting for her. And it was just, I'm getting cold chills just talking I about too. it. <laughs> because it was just like, it was such an intense scene. And I truly was at that point afraid that she wasn't going to make it. I really thought she wasn't. Like, I'm not kidding you with these cold chills. Like, I was like, man, no, no. Because she's, she came, she became like, like my number one in this book. And I preferred her over Kaz. So Inej and Kaz do have a romance, you know, romantic interest in each other. Yes. But it's subtle and doesn't, re it's not really strong until I think the end. Yes. Towards the end of the book. It's one of those ones where he likes her, she likes him, but they don't really let the other know, but you can kind of, you know, from an outside looking in, you can kind of see it because that's, she's technic, she's his favorite. She's his number one. She is the one that she trusts, he trusts the most out of the gang. Like, so you can see it subtly, but like you said, but it's just, it doesn't become like really strong until the end. But they are both brutal characters. They are. Absolutely. I mean, I, I really think every one of these characters has a sense of brutality in mm -hmm. them yeah. that they're going to take care of themselves even though they do form this gang, this somewhat family, yeah. they are kind of loyal to each other in a sense. Although there is a lot of betrayal in There's this book. There's a lot. I still think they're still a, a family. Yeah. They come out of it as a family. Mm -hmm. And then Inez, she also has a pretty sad backstory. She does. That, and a reason why she wants to do this. Mm -hmm. So another character, Jesper. He was my least favorite. I kind of liked Jesper because he was very sarcastic. He was their sharpshooter. Mm -hmm. And he had a serious gambling problem. Bad. And again, gives him a reason to do this mission because they're promised a whole lot of money. Yes. If they accomplish this, like more money than they would ever need in their lifetimes. So Jesper, he needs the money to pay off his gambling debts. And you later find out that Jesper is actually a Grisha and he's a fab fabricator. That's right. That plays an important role yeah. in, in the book. Fabricators are Grishas who are able to do one of the different powers that they have. Like his is he can take it's metal, metal. Make, take metal out of objects and then like reform them to his own will. And then there's Nina. Nina is an actual... Grisha. Mm -hmm. She is a heart render. Yes. I believe she can actually like stop your heart or heal you or heal you. Mm -hmm. So she's very powerful. Yes. She was actually my favorite character in the beginning before I started really liking Inej, but I liked Nina. We'll get to him, but Matthias or Matthias. Matthias, Matthias. I think I said Matthias. Matthias. Some of the names are hard to Matthias. pronounce. <laughs> Matthias. Yeah, they, some of these are Matthias. They have a love-hate relationship, but those two, I loved their story the most until I, I got really into um, Inez's backstory and everything. But Nina is supposed to be like really beautiful, I think, and yeah. flirty. Yes. She's super flirty. She uses her beauty and her abilities to flirt with men to her advantage. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's one of her fact stories is how she met Mateus. Yes. Is because she, he caught her when he was trying to gather up the Grisha and she was pretending to be someone else. And she's really good at accents. Yes. She's good at accents. Um, so she was trying to change her accent and play this part and he ends up catching her and that's where they, their story begins. Wait, we've mentioned Mateus. I saw Mateus. They called him like a Druskal, mm -hmm. a soldier. I see him as a Viking soldier. A For in my in my head, I'm envisioning this Viking soldier. I don't know why, but that's what came to my head or what I envisioned. I definitely envisioned this big, muscular, like soldier guy. So him and like we said, him and Nina have a 
a very sexy relationship in parts. And I, I really like how she plays them against each other mm-hmm. and then puts them to get back together in a relationship. And then there's betrayal. And so I really like the dynamics of, of their relationship. And also Matthias is a Fjordan soldier. So he actually spent time in prison because of Nina. His, yes, his prison scenes when they were talking about that was rough. Yeah. That made my heart hurt for yeah. him, what he had to go through mm-hmm. and what kind of person he could have become from that. Yeah. But, but he, he didn't. He still had the ability, even though he thought he wanted to kill Nina for what yeah. she did, he still loved her. Oh, he still loved her. Their backstory, like I said, I loved their backstory because it was prisoner and. A jailer type love like yeah. he actually got her went to turn her in and then a tragic struck and they ended up lost at sea and then drifted together on land and then they and had then, to like survive and then and, she betrayed him yeah again. and then she betrayed him and then the last the, the sixth character of the group is Wylan and he's the I, I felt like he was the youngest yeah of the group however since this is a YA these are all supposed to be teenagers I do not see them as that young I do not I I see them as in their 20s I see them as adults yeah. not teenagers so I thought Wylan maybe could have been the teenager of the group yeah but he's kind of nerdy, doesn't fit in necessarily with the crew. Mm-hmm. But wasn't he assigned to be like the explosives expert? Wasn't there a scene? Was it him? I, I thought he was assigned to be the explosives expert. Maybe, maybe. I don't remember that. But I, I mean, I remember the explosive scene, but I don't remember if he was the one. I do know that he is, he's the rich boy. Yeah, he he's, came from a privileged background. Yeah, he comes from a wealthy family. He's well-educated, but he does have one downside. He can't read. He can't read. And his dad, uh, Wyland Vanek, his dad is Vanek, um, Jean Vanek, I think, Jan. Jean Vanek is a douchebag. He <laughs> is, that's the only way to say it. So he is an extremely well merchant. He is Wyland, Wyland's dad, and he actually is the one that tries to hire Kaz Brecker and his game or gang of dregs to go and break into these prisons and do these heists. Mm-hmm. They give Wylan a lot of crap throughout this yeah. entire book because he is, you know, a rich boy. He's yeah. a rich boy, but you find out his backstory at the end and it is so sad. It's extremely sad. So through the whole book, they talk about Wylan getting these letters from his dad. And in the letters, it's saying, please come home. I miss you. And blah, blah, blah. You know, things like that. That, that is what happened, right? But that he is, can't read them. Yeah. But you find out later that it was actually a taunt that his dad was doing. Yes. Because his dad kicked him out and didn't want nothing to do with yes. him. But it was a taunt his dad was doing because he knew his son couldn't read him. And I never wanted a character to die so bad until that part. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I don't like him. Now, we were talking about how we don't feel like, even though this is labeled YA, that this is necessarily... A YA fantasy. I feel like it's just a fantasy because there are some really dark themes yeah. and scenes throughout the book. But then you get those little nuggets of the light humor or the banter between the characters. Yeah. There's so much banter that goes on between them in the most tense of moments. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good addition because I think a lot of people do revert to that when they're in a tense moment, they revert to 
humor. Oh, yes. I do. Yeah. I do. Like I will, if I feel uncomfortable, I will start cracking jokes. And that's what I think happens a lot of times between these characters. When I'm thinking of what I can compare this book to, I'm thinking Ocean's Eleven. If you've seen the Ocean's Ocean Eleven movies with George Clooney and Julia Roberts and that whole cast, they have a team yeah. meets Mission Impossible. That would be how I would describe this book. Although it's much better because I was never a big fan of the Mission Impossible movies. Same. Or the Ocean's Eleven, honestly. But I liked the first Ocean Elevens, but I never followed with the rest of them. But the idea of having a team and having this impossible mission, that's where I get that kind of comparison. One thing I did think it could be confusing is that the book does jump times. So we're in the present time and then they'll go back to do the backstories. Yeah. And it's told from different perspectives from the different characters. Yes. Now that could be really confusing, but not in Bardugo's hands. I was never confused or lost as to, okay, which character is this talking? Which storyline? What what storyline? What time are we in? Never felt lost. In any other author's book like that, I probably would be. Yeah, just because that's a lot of characters and that's a lot of viewpoints. Yeah. I know there is a TV show on Netflix, I believe, that's based on the Shadow and Bone series. Yes. I told my husband we are not allowed to watch it until I read the book. <laughs> I'm the same way. I'm like, I kind of want to watch it, but no. Yeah. I want to. I can't imagine the Shadow and Bone series being bad just because of how this book was written yeah. and how amazing it was. I mean, I hope, like, without even reading and watching the other i hope that they pick this up i feel like i've heard that they were well i think in the tv show these characters are in it yeah so i'm are these characters in the shadow and bone series i want to say in that millie told me that they were but okay. i, I want to say that she did i could be lying but i'm not sure i feel like they they are i or bet maybe they're mentioned. mentioned yeah i bet you might get a, a slight introduction to them but they are not the basis for the whole book yeah because i feel like she said that when they were filming the show that Millie was super excited to see who they were getting to play. Yes, Kat. she did I feel say like, that. Yeah, I, was, I feel like she said that. So I also think that this, this book, this one alone, could be such a good movie. I agree. It's got everything. Action, love, scariness, sexiness, because you got a, the, the menagerie, all mm-hmm. that, the brothel and all yep. that. Like, it's got everything. I know they did, but the TV show, I'm like, make a movie of it. Right. I want a movie. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know because I haven't read the second one, The Crooked Kingdom. I don't know how that one is. But this specific book, with there being like a main mission of the heist and everything, I think that would make for an awesome movie. Because you could see the setup, the backstories. Like, they could do it. It may obviously wouldn't be done to anybody's love and no. liking standards of the book. But I still think it would be good. Now, as you mentioned, the second book, and this right now, this is just a duology. Mm-hmm. I don't think she has any plans as of right now to write it, write it into a bigger series. Mm-hmm. But the second book is Crooked Kingdom. I have not started either, but... I don't know why I haven't started because right. I love this one so much. You just read, we read, we so, read much. so much. Yeah. Six of Crows ends in a cliffhanger. It does. I still don't understand how I have not picked the second one up knowing how this one ended. There's a saying in the book, no mourners, no funerals. There you go. And there's a picture inside the cover of her book with this crow on a chalice 
and it has this little ribbon that says no mourners, no funerals. I think that would be the best tattoo. It really would. It as would be an soon, awesome as tattoo. As soon as I, I saw that and heard, heard him when they would say the no mourners, no funeral. And they say I'm that like, a lot because that's like their catchphrase. Yeah, it is their yeah. catchphrase. I was like, that is a great tattoo. Yeah. Like, I think I should get it because yeah. of how much I love this book. Mm-hmm. And something else that's really cool is we have decided to do a giveaway. Yay, giveaway! <laughs> giveaway! We have a tote bag that actually says no mourners, no funerals. And it's got the crow on there. So it's this awesome tote bag. And we have a the box set of the duology. So you get a box set of the book. We've got some pins, button pins. That's all of it is Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom themed. We got bookmarks. I'm just really disappointed that I can't win this. No, we have a lot of cool stuff in there. And then I threw <laughs> some stuff in from the bookstore. So it is an awesome giveaway. So, so what, let's tell, tell them how you can win this. How this can be yours is all you have to do is... Go to whatever platform that you listen to us on, leave us a review, screenshot that review, and then go post it on the post that we have on our Facebook page, the Page Turner's Podcast with January and Jenna. Find that post. It'll be pinned on the top. Comment on it that you have done that and show the screenshot. That's it. You're entered to win. We will send whoever wins. We'll do a random drawing and we'll mail this out to you. So you don't have to be local to enter for this. You guys, you don't you don't want to miss this. It's it's incredible. It's and awesome. If you haven't read this book, we haven't given everything away no. in this podcast. So you have to read this book. Whether you like young adult fantasy or not, you have to read this book. You really do. Like we did say some spoilers, obviously, but we didn't say a lot of the spoilers. So you yeah, you just want to check out this book. It's so awesome. Like like January said, I don't know how we have not picked up the second one. That might be a have to be another episode. I've heard it's not quite as good as the first one, Mm -hmm. but then I've heard others say it's even better. And I'm like, how in the world could it be better? All I know is when Millie read it, she was still in high school and she messaged me, told me that she was crying in the middle of class when she was reading this book. And I'm just like, oh my gosh. So I think I'm going to have to move Crooked Kingdom up in my TBR stack at home. With that being said and done, I think we've delved quite thorough into this book. I think we did too. And like I said, without giving away some of the great plot twists and and, and we didn't spoil that for you. No, I want you to go and read so you can read uh, Nina and Matthias' backstory. Oh my goodness. And all of them. All all of of their backstories. All of them. So go read it. So January, what books have you been reading lately? What have I been reading? Well, as you all know, I read every chance I get. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So let me pull up my list. The most recent one I finished was the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires by Grady Hendrix. Loved it. Uh, A five star for me. It's the perfect October Halloween read. It's got vampires. It's not campy and hokey like I thought it would be because of the title. It's really actually creepy and, and scary and loved it. So if you like, need a good scary read for Halloween go get you the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Another one I read was the Easton Falls Massacre, Bigfoot's Revenge. We read that one for book club. It was a really short little novella, basically. Mm-hmm. Could have been better. There were some pretty gross mutilation scenes when Bigfoot's mad and ripping apart bodies. But 
not a whole lot of getting into characters or anything. So there was a lot lacking in that one. Um, I did not read that one. That was by Holly Ray Garcia. It could have been fleshed out more. I, I think there was an idea there. The writing wasn't bad, but it definitely needed more than the novella. Hidden Pictures by Jason Rakulik is one we both read. Yeah. I borrowed it from you. I, there was so much hype on that book. And again, I don't know why I get pulled in to the hype, but I do. However, this one did not live up to that hype mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. It, to me, it was not scary. There was some creepiness to it. It was actually a, a good story, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. What were your thoughts on I enjoyed it, but it definitely was hyped up more than what it was. I think I gave it four stars, I think. I think I gave it three. I, I gave it four. The, the interesting thing about that book is if you're actually reading the physical copy, there are these pictures drawn by one of the characters that they talk about. That was kind of the cool thing. of the I book. thought that was pretty cool. Before that was They Both Die at the End by Adam Silvera. We will actually be doing a podcast on that book. Yes. So we will leave that one uh, to a future podcast. And Baby Teeth by Zoji Stage. That one I liked, but the ending was a little disappointing for me. I agree. Oh, that was one I saw that you had picked yeah. up and read and I actually had it on my shelf so I thought well, I'm going to read this one too. Yeah. It was really pretty good disappointing ending. I agree. For me it was almost like a Stephen King. I don't get me wrong. Yes. I love Stephen King. He's one of my favorites. Not but I, I feel like his books are so long and I dedicate so much to reading them and I like the whole story and then he throws in this ending and I'm like come on. Yeah, I just I invested all that time reading that book and that's the ending and you screwed it yeah i loved him in high school and then i don't know i my my i don't know i just changed my likings and his just changed i just don't like it his old stuff yes is really good the shining one of my favorites The shining pet cemetery uh desperation even the regulators i like those like those are great now, what really aggravated me on Stephen King was I read Under the Dome. Really big book. Very big book. So good. Loved it. I'm, th- I'm going through the pages and page turner for me until the ending. And I That's just, I've not read. I just wanted to cry. <laughs> because it was so disappointing. I think that's really all for what I've read. How about what was on your list lately that you've been reading? The most recent one that I read was They Both Die at the End, which I won't get into since we will be doing a podcast on that. And then Kingdom of the Fear. Oh, that's that's book three. Oh my I've gosh. I've not even read book two in oh this series my yet. Gosh. So she's way ahead of me. Me and Brie Roll, a friend of ours, we were addicted and we were like messaging each other as we were reading it and like it was crazy. I totally feel left out because uh, I, I read the first one and I really liked the first one and I have the second one, but I've not I've not got into it. And those are by Carrie Man- Maniscolco. And the first one we did a podcast over. We did. We did the first we one on the podcast it. and really liked that one. Yes. So I'm going to have to pull You're out the second to, one. You're going to have to because oh, look at it, so good. <laughs> and then I read The Lies I Tell. I have that one. Not read it. Uh, that one, I got that one book of the month. Yes. And then Heartbones. How, how was that one? I liked it. Lies I Tell. Yeah, I okay. liked it. And then Heartbones by Colleen Hoover. And that one was good too. I, I think I gave it a three or four star. I don't know. Okay. Three is common for me. Three stars are common yeah. for me. I don't remember what I gave it. And then I read Kingdom of the Curse, which is the second book of the Kingdom of the Wicked series mm-hmm. trilogy. I Unfortunately, the way the book three ended, I feel like she's not going to make another book. I hope she does because it's such a good world. I, yeah. just, I loved it. Yeah. And then the Hidden Pictures. 
So that's that's about it. Well, I think that wraps up everything for this episode. Yeah. Remember to be listening and doing reviews so you can win that amazing Six of Crows prize package we have. You don't want to miss that. If you've got some recommendations, we're getting low on the list. So please, please send them in. We, we need your recommendations. We are for real getting low. You can send us either on our Facebook or our uh, email. Until next time, please keep reading. Bye, guys. Next episode, we will be discussing They Never Learn by Lane Fargo. And as always, reach out to us with any recommendations that you have. Our list is getting very small. You can reach out to us at our email address, pageturnerspodcast812 at gmail.com. Our new and awesome website, pageturnerspodcast812.com. And you can reach out to us on our Facebook page, Page Turners Podcast with January and Jenna. As we always say here on the show, no page is left unturned.